It's time once again to veer down the rabbit hole as we view inside the looking glass of logical madness. This is Cheshire's Place. As always, I am your host, the melodious one, Mr. Cheshire. You can always find me in my small little corner of internet wonderland by going on Facebook and clicking a like on my group page, Cheshire's Place, A Looking Glass in the Logical Madness. You can always listen to my podcasts on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. Also, if you ever feel like dropping a line or giving a suggestion for a new episode, feel free to email me at CheshireLookingGlass at gmail.com. So, here we are. It is that time I have spoke about this many, many times. I've spoke about this man, this myth, this legend quite a few times, and I have alluded that we will be doing a podcast with him. But before I introduce this wonderful, wonderful fluffy guy, no, it's not Gabriel Iglesias. I do not have that type of money. It's not that type of podcast, but maybe one day I'll have that. Uh, I still want to give a shout out to Allie Walker. As I mentioned before, she was the mastermind behind the new logo that I have. If you are ever interested in art, feel free to message her on her group page, Grindleworks, art by Allie Walker. So, it is that time. This man is family. He is funny. He is crazy. But also, he is the definition of logical madness. My friend, and hopefully soon to be your friend, it is the monkey. Monkey, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, Cheshire. Um, well, monkey, MFC... Many things they've called me, uh, but I do know one thing: I have a face made for radio, and a voice made for Sonic Field. <laughs> so, <clears throat> before we go into tonight's topic, which honestly it's not a topic, this is actually more or less a conversation that we have on a daily basis. I want to put on a couple of disclaimers. First one, of course, is always going to be the Sammy Sunshine disclaimer. There will be points and times during this podcast where either myself or Monkey will be clearing our throats, so please do not be afraid. Also, due to possible graphic language, this will be a little more explicit than normal. I'll still try to keep it a little PG because that is what Cheshire's Place is about, but if you hear a couple of F-bombs, I apologize in advance. If you're a younger listener, please cover your ears. I will not be bleeping anything out. So, Monkey, it's been a crazy time, as you know, with the C-Virus, but I think we can dive a little bit more into something that we both enjoy a little bit. I mean, we're both big geeks. We love comic books. We love anime. Yes. I mean, you're the one who got me into Funko Pops. Yep. So, pretty much, you're like the Funko Pop sensei that I have, so... But I wanted to dive into some of the stuff relating to Rooster Teeth. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who have not been keeping up with Rooster Teeth, and I barely heard about some of this recently, um, there's been a lot of backlash with Rooster Teeth, and a lot of stuff has been coming to light, especially in terms of... What's the word I can use here? Misgivings, um, controversy... Uh, 
<laughs> work hostilities. We'll go with work hostilities. Um, a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah. So, Monkey, do you want to talk a little bit about this, about what's going on? Well, uh, as many have known, uh, Rooster Teeth loves to pride itself on being exclusive, not exclusive, excuse me, inclusive and diverse. And they seem to have stepped on a few landmines recently with uh, the controversies of certain releases not being very public about and their backlash on certain, um, I guess you could say, uh, uh, background politics, background activities, background behaviors, and the list goes on. So, quite a bit of this has actually been brought to light on Rooster Teeth's Reddit page. So, if y'all ever get a chance, please check out Rooster Teeth's Reddit page. Um, There's a big issue in terms of office hostilities and possibly um, discrimination. So, this is mainly dealing with Micah Burton. And for those who do not know Micah, she is a voice actress. She is the daughter of famed actor, what's his name again? Lamar? LeVar. LeVar Burton. Reading Rainbow Guy, for, for some of you people might know Rainbow. I mean, I used to watch that show, and I still have a hard time remembering his name at times, so forgive me in advance. But um, a lot of stuff happened with her where she was talking about that there was a lot of racial tension and discrimination while she was actually working for Rooster Teeth. Um, Even to the point that the only reason why she was really hired there was due to the fact that Rooster Teeth was trying to capitalize on potential work with her father. So you want to dial in a little bit more on this one? Well, as I mentioned earlier, um, LeVar Burton, pretty famous for being the host slash creator of Reading Rainbow. Um, some of the older audience might remember him as Jordy LaForge from Star Trek Next Generation. He's been a pretty big staple in the geek community, as you would say. Um, a lot of people recognize him as not only being you know, a person of color, along with being someone who is looked at and idolized by many people of every race and, and background and everything else. So, uh, Rooster Teeth Essentially, seeing this and them being uh, a current, I guess you can say, pinnacle of people that people look toward uh, for geek culture and whatnot, they felt it was a good easy in if they were able to highlight certain segments with Micah Burton. And that's probably where a lot of people saw through that at first initially, and she had made some statements before during one of their shows uh, about saying that the community had been giving her backlash. While um, recently a, a Twitter post of hers has shown that it was more of kind of a push from the other members of Rooster Teeth telling her to, to blame the community and not them, basically. So, <clears throat> the big thing that we're looking at is that Rooster Teeth, and I just found out that Rooster Teeth was actually owned by AT&T, And for those who have actually viewed Rooster Teeth, you know that Rooster Teeth for the longest time has always had a stand where it's slightly anti-corporate, but yet now you see that their parent company is a big corporation. I mean, 
they have multimedia, they have digital, there, there's a lot with AT&T that we all know about publicly, but this is something that has recently, really within what, a couple of months? Um, actually, they've been part of them for about, I want to say, a little under a year at this point. Um, AT&T bought a lot of smaller company groups like uh, Machinima, uh, obviously uh, they, they've purchased... Uh, Crunchyroll recently as well. Um, all these other small little groups kind of have become a conglomerate under AT&T at this point here. You got the Time Warner portion, which has a, a Cartoon Network, all the Turner Broadcasting stuff, uh, HBO, which is why the big focus on HBO Max that just recently came out as on a lot of these, these subdivisions. And other groups, including YouTubers and podcasters, have made the illusion of why is AT&T keeping all these other subdivision groups subdivisioned instead of just putting them all into one giant group under the AT&T, HBO Max, etc. banner. Right, right. So, um, once more, I'm going to suggest that all the listeners, whenever you get a chance, go to the Rooster Teeth Reddit forums, go on Twitter, look up Micah Burton, um, you spell her first name M-I-C-A. Uh, be sure to take a look at these. Um, it's going to be an eye-opener. So I was surprised whenever I was looking at everything. And this isn't the first time that Rooster Teeth has had some controversy. I mean, at least their controversy... Okay, l let's just be realistic here. Their controversy is almost on par with fucking Funimation right about now. And for those who have... Um, have or have not been keeping up with Funimation. <laughs> now the bulls come out. <laughs> Surprise, you're the first one to drop the F-bomb, not me. But, <clears throat> carry on. You know, sometimes after, I mean, this is the 14th episode. Once in a while, I, I wanted to drop an F-bomb or something. But, you know, why not? I mean, this is, as I said, this is going to be a little more explicit, so I will be dropping some, you'll be dropping some. But let's talk about Funimation and how they're crumbling down, too, real quick, because I know you've been following this one, you've been listening to the podcast, you've been looking at um, all the videos on YouTube, so give us a little insight on the Funimation thing. Okay, well, as many have known, for over a year and a half now at this point here, there's been a big, big, big controversy with Funimation about the Vic Mignogna situation, uh, who also was obviously involved with Crunchyroll. And, um, not Crunchyroll, sorry, but Rooster Teeth, because he was also in the uh, Rooster Teeth series Ruby. He was one of the characters on it, which was Crow, I believe his name was. And Vic Mignogna is a pretty famous voice actor for English dub. Um, many may recognize his voice um, specifically as Edward Elric from the uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood series. Uh, he was also, uh, most recently, the um, voice actor of Broly in the uh, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super Broly movie. Well, um, Funimation and Rooster Teeth uh, had released Vic Mignogna from his contract with them as a voice actor among apparent supposed controversy of him having some allegations thrown against him, which uh, many of people have speculated that, you know, yes, controversy is always going to follow famous people, regardless of who they are. Right. And with uh, Vic Mignogna, 
there has always been slight people saying things about him here and there. Um, a lot of people will say it's based on more, I guess you could say, envy than anything else. And because of these things, um, Rooster Teeth and Funimation both released him, um, mainly because of, I guess you could say, his personal, political, and religious views, more than most other people's. Uh, a lot of these companies um, tend to be like most Hollywood personnel, where their political view is more leftist than right, I guess you can say. And Vic Mignogna, having a highly religious uh, background, had always been very proud of that and had always made that very clear. While everyone else, not being so much on that conservative spectrum, had always kind of given him flack, but never really did it to his face until all these uh, allegations started coming out, and which led to the defamation trial that started about last year in April and is still currently going on. They are, last I heard, still working toward the appeals because the initial judge that they had for the uh, trial, excuse me, mm -hmm. had brought up that uh, he that he decided to throw it out because he considered Vic Mignogna to be a public figure. And so Vic Mignogna's lawyers have decided to appeal that, and he is currently in this legal situation where he is he is suing. Not he is being sued, but he is suing Funimation, um, Jamie Markey, who is another uh, voice actress, and Monica Rial and her fiancé, Ron Toy. Uh, Monica Rial is another voice actress that a lot of people are pretty familiar with. Um, I generally don't watch too much uh, dubbed animation, so hearing all these names initially, I had no clue who any of these people were. <laughs> so, my, my, my specific uh, viewing of anime usually tends to be in the original Japanese with, with, with subtitles. So, I haven't quite learned enough Japanese to watch it completely in Japanese, but, you know... We're getting there. It's a process, yeah. just saying. Um, now, still on Funimation, because I know this has been a big memed thing as of late. Let's talk about the X-rated voice acting relating to Dragon Ball Z. Because <laughs> I've been dying to actually bring this up, honestly. Because um, for those who have never had the chance... Um, there's actually a series of videos out on YouTube, if you can find them, of the English-speaking Dragon Ball Z cast from Funimation doing recordings in the characters' voices, and they're actually very lewd. I mean, like, <laughs> one example, and I still can't believe I'm bringing this up, even though, yeah, we're definitely going to bring it up. Um, the fact that the female voice actor who played Chi-Chi for the English casting was on the air doing her lines as if she was having sexual relations with Gohan. And if none of y'all know, Gohan is the son of Goku and Chi-Chi in Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Super and even in Dragon Ball T. GT, which we will never, ever discuss Dragon Ball GT on Cheshire's Place. I am 
putting it out there. The, the only thing that good that came out of Dragon Ball GT was the Super Saiyan 4 forms. Those are the only that look cool of it. Everything else doesn't exist. Just yeah. If you've ever watched it, mind bleach it, fuck it, it's gone. I'm going to have to agree with that one. Um, do a Men in Black, you know, memory wipe type deal and just forget all about it. But anyways, the biggest highlight from those voice acting clips happens to be, and you know which one I'm probably talking about. Sean Chamel? Yep. Sean Chamel, um, who actually, another big voice actor for Funimation. Um, many of you who have probably watched the Dragon Ball Z animation since it was airing on Toonami back in the mid to late 90s. Uh, will recognize Sean Shimmel's voice as the voice actor for Goku. Uh, and to my knowledge, that's the only real role he's really famous for. And, well, Sean Shimmel is actually one of the few people who, unlike all the other people who have brought out allegations uh, against Vic Mignogna, had actually told Vic Mignogna to his face he doesn't like him because of his religious views. Because, uh, if I remember correctly, I think I've heard about this in an interview somewhere before, or from a, another podcast or something, that uh, Sean Chamel's father was highly religious. And because of his highly religious focus, he disliked him, and because of Vic Mignogna's highly religious fate and whatnot, it reminded him of his father. So you can essentially say he's got daddy issues. <laughs> um, but to, to allude back to the, uh, the, the recording <laughs> slash video that, that, again, as we, we've all mentioned was actually recorded and saved on Funimation servers themselves. Now, these recordings were probably from 10, 15, 20 years ago, but still, they saved these, and um, as many people would say, um, you can have your own views, you can say what you want to say, just don't do it on company time. And this scene was essentially, um, I guess the, the polite way to say it would be to... He called uh, Goten a bundle of sticks. Now, for some of you who may not know, <clears throat> bundle of sticks, um, uh, another term for bundle of sticks is a faggot. Now, you know... Now, pause right there. Now, mind you, here in Cheshire's place, even though that word was just said, we we love everybody. We are an ally of the LBGDQ community. We respect and everyone respect everybody's view and opinion, unless if they're spewing absolute hate. So, with this being said, and talking about this specific scene that was recorded, it's not our views. We do not tolerate it. We do not respect the voice actor for saying that. But. In order to relay what's going on, it has to be said. <clears throat> Correct. And um, keeping in mind, that single phrase was not uttered once, but multiple times. It was like he literally was a record skipping and just said the word about 20 times in a row. Which brought up a lot of controversy. And, of course, you know, the... the uh, I guess you could say the safe thing Funimation could have done was say, oh, we didn't know about this, and, you know, say we're going to do something about it. But instead what they did is anytime they found these videos floating on YouTube, which, uh, again, at this point, it may be pretty slim to finding it at this point, 
So you might have to float around through some Reddit or Tumblr or maybe even some... You 4chan. Know, 4chan or other random sites online. Uh, they, they started copyright striking these videos. That had the, that had the, so in turn saying, yes, we own these. You cannot use them. Which does not put them in a good light. It definitely doesn't. I mean, it, they could have easily took the correct road and just censored one of their actors from what they said. But yet, it almost feels like with pride that they're saying, yes, this is fucking ours. We're just going to own this shit. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it, it's as bad as the, you know, the sacred ointment. No, that was another one. <laughs> yeah, the, sac- the sacred ointment... Um, <laughs> voice acting so it's dealing with um <laughs> with um once again yeah. uh, very homophobic tendencies in it and they're making light of the situation um even some of it basically being borderline i guess you could say with today's current other situations going on other than the c-virus as we mentioned earlier um very racial tendencies i mean it's very sexually discriminating Honestly, um, I know I tried looking for that one because I wanted to actually play it. But after having a second thought, I decided not to. But I'm sure y'all be able to find it. All you have to do is go on YouTube and type in sacred ointment. And you can actually find these voice clips relating to that. So let's try to back away from... Rooster Teeth, let's back away from Funimation because we both know that as of right now, those are burning piles of shit right now. Dumpster fires. Yeah. As the, the, the lawyer for uh, Monica Rial and, uh, and Ron Toy said in his argument, um, excuse me, opening argument, this is a dumpster fire. Which... Um, Yes, it was, uh, but somehow it was not in the form that I saw it, but the when we're, we're relating to Funimation and Rooster Teeth, it is. <clears throat> yeah, most definitely, and I know that there's a high chance that there's probably supporters of Funimation and Rooster Teeth that do listen. So on behalf of myself, Monkey, and Cheshire's Place, a looking glass into logical madness, if we have upset you in any type of way talking about this, we apologize in advance, but it is part of freedom of speech that we get to discuss this. Just saying. And with that in mind, the uh, the portions of it is, it is always nice to know that, yes, people can support what they want to support, just like they can hate what they want to hate, too. You know, it comes to... Many things, especially in uh, a lot of uh, current shows and whatnot, yes, you could say, I love the original version, but the new version is a steaming pile. Um, yeah, and you should be allowed to say, yes, you know, I can say that, and not feel that, oh, because I don't like the newer version, I'm against something else or another. True. Actually, let's stay on Funimation one more time, because I do want to talk about Interspecies Reviewer. Ah. Because, you know, also, we like to listen to other podcasts and everything. And on YouTube, I enjoy listening to Nux Taku. I've talked about him and bits and pieces throughout other episodes. 
Um, Inner Space She's Reviewer is a manga, also an anime that Funimation did air, and they only aired, what, one, two episodes, maybe? I think they got through two, maybe. Maybe three. Uh, um, as many people know, Funimation does not actually create its own animation. It licenses the intellectual properties from Japan. Now, Interspecies Reviewers was a series that had a, a lot of big following once it was announced that it was going to come out. And Funimation picked up the uh, licensing rights to release it in the in the states and um, other countries, um, Europe, I assume also, and Canada and whatnot. So they had this vision that this was going to be their next big gold mine after you know Whoops. the uh, you know bigger known series like Dragon Ball and some of the other newer series that had been coming out recently. And so they, they were going to jump on this train right away. But, <clears throat> I guess you could say, uh, they, they were a little over their heads when they, when they first started airing it and they were doing a simudub, which, um, which if you don't know, uh, a simudub or a simudub is they will get this episode as soon as it comes out in Japan and airs. They will usually get it and they will dub it within usually 24 hours of the initial episode's release. Well, the first couple episodes, they, they did this, and then they realized the content they were doing. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Before we continue on this, let's talk about what, what Interspecies Reviewer is. Um, for lack of a better term, it is borderline hentai. Well... In, in true retrospect, <clears throat> it is actually an ecchi series, which the difference between hentai and ecchi, for, for those who don't know, these are two big terms in in uh, Japanese animation and anime. Um, ecchi is essentially very, I guess you could say explicit, but not fully, I guess you could say, uh, graphic about it. While hentai is going to be graphic and explicit and everything else. Um, and, and in case you weren't wondering, or if you were wondering what I'm talking about, I mean intercourse-wise. So, uh, for all you <laughs> hentai fans, and I know I'm going to be shooting my foot, I'm going to be shooting myself in the foot for this. But if you have a specific hentai that you happen to like, feel free to email us at cheshirelookingglass at gmail .com and defend why it is you like that hentai. Uh, also, Nux Taku did an episode on hentai with Project Melody, and I forgot who the other person was, but they also talked about how hentai actually has some of the best mm. stories around because they take influences from other genres like sh shonen, izakai, and oh, yeah. supernatural. But <clears throat> anyways, that's why I always say uh, the best live action remakes have been directed by Axel Braun. <clears throat> oh, here we go, Axel Braun. Oh, God. <laughs> For those who do not know Axel Braun. If you're old enough, look it up. If you're not, you probably shouldn't be looking it up. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but I'm, back to... Uh, I, I don't even, reviewers or interspecies reviewers. I, I don't even know I want to touch interspecies reviewers after you brought up Axel Braun's name. I mean, <clears throat> we went from okay to fucking bad in just a minute of like in a moment of seconds 
Uh, we, we had about 20 minutes <coughs> into this. We're, it was about time. People were wondering when it was going to happen. We, we were going to bring out the big guns. <clears throat> oh my god, I, I didn't, I didn't think we'd be going that fast. Well, well, you brought up the uh, the point of best storylines, and um, in adult filmography, uh, Axel Braun's films do tend to have pretty decent storylines. Uh, if you look at most adult filmography, it starts off as you know, insert person A, insert person B. And a little bit of dialogue, and then they get into it. While the Axel Braun movies tend to have a little bit more storyline behind it, usually, especially when it's a parody film of some kind of either a comic or to ruin your childhood, you know, classic Disney film. So here we go. This is the guy who, if I remember correctly, did Avengers Triple X. He did Avengers. He did the X Men one. Batman. Um, he Batman. did the sixties Batman remake, which he actually had very, very good costume design on that, believe it or not. I mean, you don't usually watch this for the costumes, but the costume designs are very much true to the classic 60s Batman series. Um, he also has done, obviously, as I mentioned, uh, Disney films of Peter Pan, uh, Snow White, uh, and the list goes on and on. You know... <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> wow, um, maybe we should dial it back just a tiny bit because Axel Braun mentionings, wow, I, I just feel like that there's someone out there that is either A, going to get the joke, or B, say that Cheshire's Place, say Looking Glass and Logical Madness is about a bunch of smut. <laughs> but let's just keep this train on going because, hey... As I said, this is actually one of our normal conversations that we have. We will jump to different things. Um, like, well, let's let's go and just dial it back to the inner species reviewers. Yeah, let's go. Um, let, let me give you guys the the, the, the download on this series since uh, he he was a little distracted, Here, and, and do, I distracted him. You do that. I'm going to get a drink of water real quick. But okay. go ahead, let them know. Okay, so for those who do not know, uh, inner species reviewers, or at, by its original. Uh, title, which is uh, Ishizuku Reviewers, is about a group of adventurers kind of in like a, uh, I guess you can call it an RPG-ish like world, where there's other types of species. There's elves, there's humans, there's dwarves, there's Lamia, there's angels and demons, etc. And this uh, story follows a group of um, adventurers who not only go on adventures, but also uh, tend to visit the local brothels of each kind of species in the area. And uh, after they've had their night there, they will write a review of the woman of the night that they had that night, or the, si the situation they had. And, of course, they kind of publish these reviews in a form of almost like a tabloid paper. And these tabloid papers will get bought up by other residents of their local guild area. And, of course, you know, the the manga wasn't as explicit as the animation series was. And when Funimation got this series, uh, they, they dubbed and subtitled the first two episodes, and they had them streaming on their site. And um, a lot of people are saying, because of the uh, controversy and situation with the Vic Mignogna lawsuit, 
that this is the reason why they pulled it and tried to play the we are we have a high, higher morality than um, what we than what this show has, so we should not be airing it, and we're no longer going to air it. So um, that also brought a lot of backlash from the uh, communities on YouTube and Reddit and etc. Uh, about what Funimation had entailed to do with the series, um, because of everything else. It seems like they just got this series just to hold it basically prisoner so no one else can can use it and sell it and make money off of it. So pretty much, yes, they <clears throat> did get the series. They did air it for about two episodes, and then they stopped it. Um, now, let's be realistic. Funimation knew exactly what the hell they were doing and what the series was about, but yet they tried playing it off as they didn't. Um... It takes a real special type of stupid. Well, uh, the other thing I would say, um, one of the other reasons why they uh, probably pulled it is because they were trying to dial back because, once again, another leak had happened about Funimation, um, including their their voice actor leak of their, their uh, I guess you say, extracurricular activities of recording and whatnot, of some of the parties that some of the voice actors have had, and there were some kind of explicit pictures in that too which again you know adult type behavior but not to the point of it being a an, an x-rated film but still you know something that they didn't really want to have people thinking about and of course you know interspecies reviewers would say hey they obviously are okay with this kind of behavior they are okay with releasing the series yeah <clears throat> Alright, so now that we covered, you know, Interspecies Reviewer and and um, our pal Axel. Mind you, he's not actually our pal. We have no clue who he is. And the only reason why we happen to know about some of his works happens to be because they fall in the line of comic book movies. Yes, they are triple X. Yes, they are smut. But whenever you have outlets like comicbook.com actually talking about these it does pick up your attention a little bit so i think we covered pretty much quite a bit of anime stuff we have i think <clears throat> i think we should go to one of our other passions mm-hmm. tacos no um tacos i do love tacos tacos are fucking delicious yes they are they are absolutely goddamn amazing and i wish we had some right now but it's uh, 11 o'clock at night nothing's open well, well they are but well, Taco Bell still delivers through um, Grubhub and yeah. DoorDash, but it's the money thing. Yeah, it costs like double to do that, man. Yeah, <laughs> true, but no, um, even though tacos will probably be another subject one day about the different types, the textures, the taste, and who knows, maybe we might actually make tacos and put it on the podcast, but y'all will not be able to see it. You know, I don't have a we'll YouTube channel. We'll put it on the, on the podcast, <clears throat> then we'll have to clean up the laptop afterwards, because that would be totally messy true and i don't exactly have the money to get a new laptop yet but anyways i was thinking more lines that we talk about wrestling because i have alluded that we have both been in wrestling before (laughs) um i got my start here at a local promotion called xjam wrestling and then we moved to northern outlaw wrestling and that's where also you got your start because you did sound yep well i I started out again as um 
basically helping out, just like I did with XGM, um, helping out with uh, door ticket price stuff, uh, extra security to help out, and uh, also just, you know, doing other things. Um, I did do training for a while with them. Now, again, training with them, uh, I will admit, is not as viewable as, I would say, professional training as if you went to an actual school uh, of, say, like, of uh, Eddie Sharkey or a uh, Dr. Uh, Tom Pritchard style, which these are other classic wrestlers that some of you may know or may not know, but... I mean, we had a chance to do clinics with Mike Quackenbush, who is the owner and runner of Shakara. We've done clinics with um, Darren Corbin, um, Eric Cannon. Um, Lenny Lane. Lenny Lane, Sammy Savard. Yep. Um, I had a chance to meet Jimmy Havoc at a show in Texas that I worked a long time ago. Um, it was a fun experience. It really was. But I'm thinking more or less that we talk about... AEW right now. Okay. Because, <clears throat> actually, let's talk about more of the whole of, like, the cinematic wrestling matches that we've seen with WWE, with AEW. I mean, what is your view on it? Well, I, I will say this much. The cinematic wrestling uh, vignettes that they've been doing, uh, I would give it, you know, a minor pass, but it's not something I want to see all the time. Um... Again, it, because of the current situation with the C-Virus and whatnot, um, large gatherings is obviously a no-go. And as um, many people who have ever been a fan of pro wrestling or even any kind of sport, including uh, combat sports like UFC and martial arts and whatnot, knows that there's always a big crowd that's going to be there and that crowd can affect how those performers perform. Yep. You know, it's the whole, um, even if you want to take um, an actual movie reference, if you take the original Cry Kid movie, you know, uh, Daniel, you know, kind of pushing himself, giving himself more and more umph to go because that crowd was behind him at that point. That's kind of like how a wrestler is in, in pro wrestling. The good guys or baby faces and the heels who are the bad guys they feed off of that reaction if you give them a good reaction you know they know yes this is good this is working this is what the crowd wants to see you give them a bad reaction if it's the good guy they're gonna be like okay this is not what they want to see if you get a bad reaction from the crowd they're booing you if you're the bad guy you know that's what they want to see is that you're being bad you're being evil and that's what you want them to see now these uh, cinematic matches that they've had because of the lack of crowds, they've been able to do some of these, I guess you can say, almost off-the-top matches that would be impossible to pull off in reality, obviously. Right. So, <clears throat> the three biggest ones that I have in mind, um, first and foremost, this um, WrestleMania that just passed, the Undertaker versus AJ Styles match. Then we fast forward to the Money in the Bank match, which I actually found well done. And frankly, it did look like that Baron Corbin did kill Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black. Uh, I'm wondering why he's not in jail for that, you know, storyline-wise. Um, well, they came back to life on, on, on Raw, so, so he was good. 
Yeah, you know, the power of Vince McMahon compelled them to get back up and work for the next day. Well, well, they told you, didn't you hear? There was a second roof that was, like, on the side you couldn't see that they landed on. Just just a, a balcony roof, apparently. Um. See, I wish they would have shown that during the pay-per-view, honestly. Because hearing Brian Saxon and Michael Cole try to explain that, it sounded like two office managers who hated their job and trying to explain something during a corporate meeting. Um, but anyways, and the final one that actually pops in my head is AEW. They just did their double or nothing pay-per-view and the biggest match of the night was the stadium stampede. Now, if you ever want to hear anyone talk about the, st- the stadium stampede, go to what culture um, wrestling on YouTube Listen to Simon talk about the Stadium Stampede match. Um, just the insanity of it all was like I had I actually had a chance to take a look at um, some clips. I didn't find the match like I wanted to, but it was actually it was funny. I liked it. Okay, well, um, and and knowing uh, listening to water culture stuff and Simon's views. It would be that would be a positive viewing of of how that match went. Now, if you want to hear another take on it, um, Jim Cornette, who a lot of people may remember as a classic on-screen personality and manager in back in the WWF days, um, and WCW, Let's and WCW, that. He, he's in WCW. He he's been around for actually about fifty years, actually in in, in wrestling, but those are his biggest you know highlighted times. Uh, and he was also partially on there for when uh, TNA and had uh, combined Global Force Wrestling for the initial part, but that's kind of stuff he likes to say he doesn't want to talk about. <clears throat> well, um, Jim Cornette is more of a old-school style uh, wrestling fan, and he kind of rips it apart in how he doesn't like it. So if you want to see both sides of the coin, those would be the two to, to check out and listen to if, if you haven't seen it yourself uh but uh, another cinematic match that had been recently that you seem to have forgotten cheshire was the uh the the fiend bray wyatt versus john cena match at WrestleMania. uh why did i forget about that one because that one wasn't so much of a match as kind of a vignette 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 cut together so for those who have not watched this match I'm going to suggest that you do, because whenever I first watched it, because I did get WrestleMania on the WWE Network, yes, I am a wrestling geek as well, I am proud of this, if you don't like it, well, you can happily, never mind, I ain't going to complete that, but, um, watch this match, if you are a fan of psychological thrillers that make you feel like that you have taken 15 bumps of acid and chased it down with absinthe, this is the type of match for you, so... Um, as Monkey did say, yes, it was a lot of vignettes. Um, it was a trip seeing how they portrayed John Cena and the underlying message of it is why John Cena never turned heel, even though it was teased, but why he never did it. And that was like a big part of it. Uh, go ahead, Monkey. Oh, well, I was going to say, um, and uh, another part of this could be, um, Anyone who had watched that, uh, there has been also some rumors that came out recently 
um, because WWE obviously had to do some cuts to some plans they were doing for WrestleMania due to the no crowd situation. Um, one of the potential rumors that I heard floating around recently was that uh, the end part there with the situation where they had uh, John Cena and uh, Bray Wyatt's Fiend doing kind of uh, the NWO scene thingy. I would say this would have been the spot that they probably were going to do this tease thing that they were talking about that was going to happen in WrestleMania, which was bringing back um, a faction called The Nexus, which was a group from WWF, WWE when they first started doing uh, their NXT stuff, which was actually, at that point, not the wrestling show, but kind of like a reality competition show, quote-unquote. So, it was very similar to Tough Enough. If anyone remembers that, I know I remember it, because as a young kid, I wanted to actually sign up for it, but, you know. And that's where we learned about the Regal Theory. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, first and foremost, Regal Theory... Um, is based off the man himself, William Regal. And if anyone ever tells you that William Regal is an absolute wrestling god, they're sh- right. Yeah, they're right, and you should just pay homage to that man because he is an absolute workhorse whenever he's in the ring. But um, <clears throat> continuing on um, with the Nexus, they were going to try to tease having the Nexus come back. Which, if anyone is, has watched WWE before, the Nexus members were um, Skip Sheffield, who became Ryback, Daniel Bryan, Wade Barrett, um, Michael Tolver. Um, who uh, else was in it? Uh, PJ Walker. Um, I don't remember what his name was back then. Um, who else? Uh, ooh, da, da, da. Uh, Titus O'Neil was part of it, I believe, also. Yep, yep, Titus was. And Darren Young, I think. Those were the initial eight, ten people. Yep. And the Nexus actually ran rampant through WWE for the creative storyline that they had. And the Nexus was shut down by um, John Cena and his little group that he had. So, Which, again, uh, would have been probably a focal point in that, well... Bray Wyatt was also part of the, I want to say, well, no, he was part of that. He was Husky Harris back then. That's yeah, right. that's right, yeah. Because I can't remember if it was on the first season or second season of it. I think it was first. It was first, so. Yeah, yeah so that would have probably been an illusion of that from in the uh, the, the Bray Wyatt's skit stuff because of um, John Cena essentially wanted to stop the push of the Nexus because the Nexus was getting pretty hot, and a lot of people... We're looking at them as the next big thing that was going to be going on in WWE. And um, kind of the backroom wrestling politics situation was that John Cena didn't like that. And he was the man that single-handedly killed their, their push. And that was uh, another shot at him. Never going to become a, a heel because... If he kept beating all the big bad guys, he could never be a heel. Exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> so enough about Cena. Uh. E- even though Cena in real life, yes, he's had some controversy. Yes, he dated one of the Bella Twins. He's actually a very nice guy. Um, the, the biggest grant-a-wish person from Make-A-Wish. He has granted, I want to say, 500000 Yeah. 
give or take. He he's done a lot. He's done a lot. That's more than most of the biggest known people who have ever done it combined, including Hulk Hogan, who was one of the big ones for for a long time. Uh, I want to say a bunch of famous actors. I want to say Arnold Schwarzenegger did a bunch yep. of them for a while, um, but a lot of them combined still do not equal up to the amount that that John Cena has done. I, I may not like him in, as a wrestler, but I will always say I give him mad respect for what he does outside of that ring because he is a very caring, giving man. Even well, even if you um, are also keeping up with some other uh, wrestling new stuff, and this is a kind of a little bit on the sadder side. But with the passing of uh, wrestler Shad Gaspard, um, he had a GoFundMe account set up by a, by a family and friends of of him, and there was an anonymous donation, which was uh, tagged as being donated by CTC, which um, some people might not remember, but it was a small little section in WWE WWF times where uh, John Cena. And the group Crime Time, which is the, the tag team that Shad Gaspar is part of, called themselves the Crime Time C Nation. Yeah. And that would be, and that donation was for forty thousand dollars. So to say that he does not care about people is a big, big miss miscue on a lot of people's. Exactly. That man has a lot of heart. He cares about a lot of people. I mean, by far, he yes. His work in the ring wasn't my favorite. I know it wasn't Monkey's favorite, but his charisma, his personality, it really shines through because what you see of John Cena in the ring is what you see of John Cena out in the real world. So, all right. So continuing on because, you know, this is exciting because you are definitely like you're my first interview. You're my first guest on this podcast. That's a very, very scary situation for him and for me and for all of you. I apologize. I mean, thankfully today he's wearing pants, so I, I think we're good right now. Uh, normally... Or am I? <laughs> he's wearing pants today. I think this would be a little more awkward if he wasn't wearing pants. I mean, just as bad as whenever he decides to play Yelvis songs and... We won't even get into... You better not. <laughs> I know what you're about to do. Well, luckily for you, my phone is all the way over there somewhere. I, it's out of my hand reach for now. Thank for now. you. But I'm also talking about whenever you talk about... I have a hat. And you had a hat. We both have hats. And your wife is dead. And your wife is dead. Fuck it. Here's your life. Yep. But we're not stealing any horses. Uh, and we're not learning how to do a trucker's hitch. Uh, and we're not going to discuss the language of love. Uh, and we're not going to talk about Stonehenge. So for all of you that are wondering why I'm saying all this, those are actual titles of Yelvis songs. For those of you who do not know who Yelvis is, once I say this simple phrase, you'll understand who it is. What does the fox say? Oh, man. But anyways, so, as I said before, this is actually one of our normal conversations. Now, granted, it'd be a little bit crazier, especially if we had Big Brad with us. Um, Brad is, 
interesting. He's very interesting. And whenever I visit with Monkey, Brad will come out of his room because he actually works from home. He he does... um Over the phone support. Yeah. So he'll come in and he'll chime in with some news of the day that either we haven't heard or we've heard and really don't care about. But... Maybe one day we'll actually get Brad over here, too. That way we can actually do, like, a round table random discussion or oh something. Oh, man, that would be... Scary? I just hope that your neighbors have moved out by then, because this will get pretty chaotic and... Ugh. Now, also, mind you folks, um, we haven't had a drop of liquor during this entire conversation. Um... As some of y'all know, I really don't drink, but once in a while, I do happen to enjoy alcoholic adult libations. Same with Monkey here, but we don't do it to a major excess to where it's going to be crazy. What you are hearing right now with every mistake, every ramble, every fuck that drops out of our mouths, this is us. 100% sober. Exactly. Uh, we, we'd probably be a little bit more lucid, a little bit, probably more uh, explicit in our language. But, you know, I, I always like to say um, I, I'm a, uh, a truck-driving Irish sailor. So that my, my language usually doesn't come out without some kind of curse word being dropped every 20 minutes. So, Which reminds me, what the fuck? It's been yeah, a while. Yeah, it has. I mean, we're almost to the hour mark on here, and you only said like four of them so far. That's surprising. No kidding. But, <laughs> so. I, I am trying to restrain myself because I do know that even though we did give the uh, the the warning, uh, he, he does want us to try to keep it, you know, in the, in the uh, you know, I guess not so much in the crazy language world. Yeah, we're, we're trying to still keep this family friendly. We're not trying to dive into old school... Um, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Red Fox, Sam Kennison, George Carlin, realm of swearing. Although all of them are amazing, amazing fucking talents. They were. They were. They, they were. were the talents that, if you had them on TV today, they would be canceled by cultures because they aren't following the narrative that people like. I mean, even Dave Chappelle has been known to to drop the the f bomb a lot recently, but. He he's getting that pass because he's I, a legend. I mean, he, honestly, he he knows that he's rubbing the people the wrong way, and he knows he's doing it. But he also is saying, "Hey, you know, people know who I am. They're they're not gonna. They don't think that this is just something that suddenly dropped out all of a sudden that no one knew was gonna come." Exactly. So. <laughs> So this has actually been very fun. I should actually try to have more guests on here. Um, just because it's a new dynamic for what we do. Um, now, earlier, I was going to do something a little more serious relating to what's going on in the world um, with the protests and everything. But we're going to skip that one. That's going to be more of an episode for next week. It's going to be a quick snapshot on everything that's going on. Because it does dive into the realms of race and politics, which, as y'all know, here in Cheshire's Place, I really do not discuss politics. But for certain things that are occurring, it will have to be stated. But anyways, um, you know, it's been 
fun having you on here, Monkey. Thank you. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you for agreeing to this. Now, I've been trying to get Monkey on here for quite a while. Uh, about, what, almost a month now? At least a couple of weeks I know of for certain. You know, if you had planned beforehand, I was ill-advised of it and, un- and uninformed. Well, thankfully we got you here, and I'll definitely have you back on on the podcast because it's been fun. Maybe next time we'll go with something a little more structured. Structured? Yeah, who the hell am I kidding? Um, We're definitely not going to be doing structured. It definitely will be off the cup. It will be random. Who knows? You might actually hear us talk about old school knitting circles. You, You never know. Who told you about the knitting circle? No one talks about the knitting circle club. First rule about the knitting circle club. Don't talk about the knitting circle club. But how do you? Ah! But how do you think I learned Pearl One, Stitch Two, and how to make that sweater? I thought you learned it during the doing the trucker hitch. You know, you can happily kiss my ass about the trucker hitch. But anyways, thank you everyone for listening. This is Cheshire's Place, a looking glass into logical madness. As always, I am your melodious host, Mr. Cheshire. Once more, thank you again, Monkey, for coming on to the show. My pleasure. And just as the Cheshire Cat, I am everywhere and nowhere. Thank you for tuning in. The next episode should be out here in the next week, week and a half. Have a good night.